This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio. Last Friday, Dr. Kevin Hassett, who's the chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors, commented on the Penn Wharton budget model analysis of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. That's a legislation that began in 2018 and cut taxes on corporations and most Americans. The Penn Wharton budget model's assessment of the impact of the tax cut plan included a slight increase in GDP, but also an increase in the federal deficit. Dr. Hassett, speaking before the American Economic Association, disputed many of the claims made by the Penn Wharton budget model. So we decided to give the people at Penn Wharton budget model a chance to respond to that criticism of their analysis. Joining me here in studio, Richard Prisanzano, who's a senior economist with Penn Wharton budget model, who also spent 13 years in the office of tax analysis at the Treasury Department. And also with us, Kimberly Burham, who is a managing director of legislation and special projects at Penn Wharton budget model. Happy New Year, you both. Good to see you back. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. Good to see you. So I guess let's start with with what Dr. Hassett said in regards to your analysis, and I guess maybe let's even back it up a step further. The analysis that that Penn Wharton budget model had to the tax cut, uh, tax cut and Jobs Act, as I said, showed some growth in GDP, but also the economic impact on the deficit as well. That's right. So at the at the end of the day, we showed that by uh, 2027 that it would increase debt. By about 1.9 to 2.2 trillion, and by 2040, that figure would go up to 2.2 to 3.5 trillion. And so then, Dr. Hassett responds by saying, "Well, yeah, I think his main point was that that we got the effect wrong; that it was too small. Um, and what he uh, presented was a one-year effect of the tax cuts, um, and compared it to what he claimed was our one-year number." Um, which we actually can't figure out where he got that number from because it was just wrong. And then the most uh, right number is was our 10-year forecast. And so he was comparing apples and oranges, and then he got our oranges wrong. Right. Um, and uh, didn't take into account the things that we took into account. So the, so tell us what exactly you were taking into account, especially when you're looking at it long-term over a course of, uh, of 10 to 20 years. Yeah, so, so um, I mean, as we've talked about before, there's a number of things in the, in the tax um, cuts that expire. And so things like uh, interest limitations increase, the deduction on interest uh, increase, and that's actually a tax increase over time. But in the first year... There's, they're, they're not there. And so the first year is quite rosy. And so if you look at our year by year, we actually have a bigger effect in that first year that kind of peters out because you do have these, these slight tax increases over time. He wasn't comparing that. He was saying we got this number wrong looking at our, our 10-year number and not he didn't account for those things. Plus, he didn't present what their 10-year forecast would be right. or their whole package. He was only looking at specific investment numbers. And we never really presented the GDP effects of one particular provision. And I think in this case, he was looking at two provisions. Which probably then, if they had presented a 10-year package of what they were looking at, while there may have been, again, that that initial first-year growth rate over the course of time, that would be coming down as well, correct? Correct. I mean, and I think that that plays out in the other groups that did this analysis, CBO, JCT, um, even the Tax Foundation, though they're a little bit rosier than ours. 
everyone has this kind of effect that kind of uh, slows out. And I think we're and just in the ballpark. Our numbers are very comparable to um, the Joint Committee on Taxation as well as to the Congressional Budget Office. Um, and one of the other things that um, he had said is that he he thinks that we're assuming that the economy is only 25% open, which means right, that yeah. foreigners buy um, 25 cents of every dollar of new debt. Um, and that has a big impact. So if you assume that the economy is more open, then the debt has less of a downward effect on economic growth. Um, but actually, we assume that the economy is 40% open. Okay. Um, in other words, that foreign investors buy 40 cents of each new dollar of debt. Um, and that's important. We base that assumption on um, historical take-up rates of new debt by foreigners, which right. for the past, you know, 15 or 18 years has averaged out to about 40%. So so that, that assumption that we make does have historical backing. So how much then does it play in? And, and again, maybe what I'm about to ask you is more in, in the immediacy rather than long term. But we hear more and more stories, and especially maybe now playing because of the trade war with China, that foreign company or foreign countries, maybe even specifically China, are not buying as much U.S. debt as they have in the past. So that makes sense because how um, the international balance of accounts work is that everything has to balance out. So how foreigners are buying our debt is essentially with our trade deficit. Um, so if we're doing less trade um, with China or other countries, then they're going to be investing less in our debt. Both That includes both government debt and in our capital markets as well. So um, if you put, you know, restrictions on trade or restrict trade flows in any way with tariffs, that's going to have an, a closing effect on your economy and, and the foreigners will be able to buy less debt. Richard? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, to Kimberly's point, I think the, the way that these models work, I think if you have a very open economy, um, debt does have this less effect and you're kinda, you, you kind of get the free lunch in some sense in that – you know, if you if you assume we're a small economy and it's 100 percent open, then debt doesn't matter because foreigners are always going to buy that debt. Um, that would be more like a banana republic. Though. Right. 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 Yeah. And so the U.S., I don't think anyone would describe us as as small. And so we have yeah. a big portion of stuff. And so when you think about an, a model that says we're small and open, it probably understates the debt effect for a, a, a model that says it's it's closed, it probably overstates the debt effect. And what we do is present an option, right? We, we present both open and closed, and, we, and then we are preferred is kind of this in-between that we've based on, on data from, from historic averages. Right, and I guess, Kim, off of what you said a second ago, the, the distinction of, of what a fully closed or fully open economy is, take us into that for a second and the, and the impact that it has in terms of this discussion as well. Um, so if you were to have a fully closed economy, that would mean that foreigners purchase zero of new debt. Um, that includes, like I said, both government debt and the capital markets. Um, and that would just mean that if the government issued new debt, it would have to come 100% out of American savings. And so that's just less money that can go to fund new investment, new capital growth, and, and you know, growth in the economy and GDP. So the more closed your economy is, then that, that does have a dampening effect on any economic growth in the future. And that 40% or that 40 cent number is somewhat the historical average 
that yeah. you've been able to find that the the percentage is about 40% of the debt picked up by by countries from overseas? Yep, that's the sort of average new take up rate for the since about 2000. So then with the assessment that that Dr. Hassett made, when you think about it from a legislation perspective, how does that impact what potentially we are going to see going forward, especially when you're thinking about the potential of continuing a, a plan like the, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act for a significant period down the road? Um, so our sort of our long-term numbers out to 2040 and our 10-year numbers do take into account what we think is a realistic debt effect based on 40% open. Um, if you think that the economy is, you know, 100% open and therefore the debt doesn't matter, doesn't dampen growth. Foreigners just rush in with all the money. Um, then that would the debt would have less of a dampening effect. So you could see caring less about policies that are going to add to the deficit. Um, but I think it's important to note that at Penworth and Budget Bottle, we don't think it's possible for the U.S. economy to be 100% sure. open. And yeah. that's just partly because we are so large. So, like, we are about 37% of total world government debt, you know, 30% of, you know, world capital markets. So there's a limit to how much money could flow in from foreigners. And at, at some point, uh, Richard likes to say, <laughs> we'd be selling ourselves to Mars. <laughs> Richard? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on that, I think the interesting thinking about legislation is I think what makes for CEA um, to sell the story that Tax Cut and Jobs Act is, is working is that we are this open economy and the debt effect is relatively small. Right. It'll be interesting to see as they're presented with legislative options, maybe from Democrats that increase the debt significantly, that they change their story. Because if you think that the debt... Yeah doesn't have an effect here with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, then it doesn't have an, an effect if you're going to, say, Medicare for all. Right. Right. Now, the, the amount of dollars involved in there, I'm kind of, kind of abstracting away. But, but if you're going to say the debt doesn't have an effect here, it's got to – you can't then say, oh, the debt matters <laughs> over here. Yeah. And so that – to me, going forward, you know, from us, we're just presenting, look, we know that these models matter on these things. So here's an option. You can kind of look at the different results based on that and make an informed decision. What we what we've tried to do, you know, at PWBM is say, look, we don't want people just to pick the model that gives them the best result and then present that. We want them to to be open and honest. That's why we show our equations and say, hey, look, this is what we've done on this result. This is why we kind of stand behind it. If you ask us as experts, we're going to say it's sixty forty, but you can you can play with those options. All right. So for people that that don't follow this closely, the the idea, and as you bring up, we're about thirty five to forty percent open traditionally in terms of of a historical trend. If if Doctor Hassett is saying that twenty five percent is more close to the number, how is he coming to that assumption moving forward? So he probably is actually using a, a more open economy. He he characterized us as thinking that it's only 25% open, okay. when in fact our baseline results um, use the 40% open. Um, so we're not sure why he thought we were only 25% open. Um, we have all of our assumptions are clearly explained on the website. And we use consistent frameworks um, to analyze, as Richard was saying, different types of policies. So we... You know, we're not sure why he thought we're only 25 percent. We think he's probably thinking that we're, you know, way more than even 40 percent. Um, yeah, but So he was, I think, wanted to, to make the point that we were closed. 
And because we were closed, the debt effect outweighed any benefit of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And that, that's just misleading um, uh, about us. We're, we are open. I think he wanted to say we were closed. I think he would like it to be more open because then the, the debt has a lower effect. Right. And, and exactly. And the debt I- issue is certainly a significant one right now. And it seems like when you look at Washington, D.C. right now, there isn't as much concern as maybe there probably should be about the fact that the debt continues to rise as much as it as has uh, in the last several years. I know. I think that's right. I think, you know, now there are certainly things that that you could argue there are policies that certainly that would increase the debt. But but their boost is is good for GDP, whether Correct. it's investment or education or something. Um, any of those things would, would do that. And so there's an argument for taking on more debt. Um, but I think that the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, what we showed is like you took on this big debt effect and you only got this little boost in GDP. And if you're just going cost benefit, maybe it didn't make sense to do that. So then is, is that what you, you just lay out right there? Is that somewhat how it played out in terms of the, the bounce back from the recession with certain things having to be done to kind of build the economy back, back up? And then obviously there was a, a, a substantial increase in the amount of debt that the United States took on over the, the last decade or so. Yeah, no, I think in, in a situation like reset, you, recession, you'd like to have a lever to kind of to kind of get the economy going again, you'd like to reduce the cost of investment to get people to to, to start investing again. As you lower the cost of investment and the tax rate in a situation where we're not in a recession, you're taking that lever away from yourself when we do go into a recession. Yeah, you're limiting our options in the future. We're joined here in studio by Richard Prisanzano, who's a senior economist at the Penn Wharton Budget Model. Kimberly Burham is uh, their managing director of legislation and special proje- projects. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. With the original analysis w- when it came out, and obviously it, it is now drawing the attention of, of the White House, but how much attention was drawn by Capitol Hill, and now potentially how much do you think you're going to continue to see the attention on this drawn now with the dynamics changing on Capitol Hill with Democrats controlling the House of Representatives? Um, you know, we were we actually got um, really good reception on Capitol Hill last fall. We were very pleased. Um, and in fact, we have about a dozen um, citations in the congressional record. So that's members actually citing us on the House floor. Um, so we think that they're, you know, aware of our research and that they're using it and applying it and and they're contacting us with questions. So we're pretty happy about that. Richard? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, so. Attention's good, right? Even if, if the okay. CEA got things wrong, the attention's good. But, you know, as we've, you know, my team is we went down to the National Tax Association meetings. I, we were recently in the, the, the AA meetings as well. A lot of people are asking us, you know, we are newer. People are curious as what we're doing. As people know me from the tax community, we've talked. I think we we've gotten a lot of credit for being sort of the arbiter of like, hey, we don't really have a uh, a dog in the fight. We're going to present you the research. We're going to explain to you why assumptions or models uh, will give you different results. But but we're doing it in in good faith and and want to get the right answer. So were you getting reaction at that AEA, AEA meeting about at that point what? Dr. Hassett had said in regards to the the reporting that you had done. Yeah. So unfortunately, I was a little bit out of touch for a couple days there last week. And so when I got to the AAs on Saturday, I was um, presenting a paper um, with someone at PWBM the next morning with Jason Furman, who was the head of CA under Obama. um, And he wanted to talk very much about what 
Kevin Hassett had said on, <laughs> on Friday. And so I was catching up on emails on Saturday. So I was like, oh, geez, this is going to be a fun little Sunday morning for me. Um, so a lot of people were asking about that. And, you know, um, I think a lot of people, as you, you do in these large presentations, they just kind of take what the presenter is saying. Um, but then when I was talking to people I know or people knew I was with PWBM, they were asking, is that a fair representation? Things like that. I was like, no, I don't know where he's getting these numbers from. They're wrong. That's, you know, um, again, a misrepresentation of what we did. How important is it? And, and obviously with the research that, that you brought out uh, in the last few months, but how important is it as the economy continues to go in whatever path that it does to continue to to stay on top of the work that you have done already and to continue to adjust the path of, of the impact of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act moving forward? Oh, I think it's huge because, again, we, you know, we have this independent um, – evaluation of the debt and the deficit in the economy. And so until we start seeing things show up in the data, we're always going to have to consider, did we get that forecast right? Do we have to adjust our GDP? I mean, I think one of the things that we've worked on in the last couple months is this idea of the cost of investment and and has it changed under the the Tax Cuts um, Act. And we've kind of reevaluated, hey, we actually think that the the cost of investment by debt and versus uh, cost of investment by equity has changed in a good way. Right. And, and we would actually describe that as, as a reform. Um, so I think our view of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act as a whole has changed because we see this positive that we didn't see until we could really dive in in more detail on something. Kim? Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. And we're always taking in new data updated our baseline so that um, we're taking into account what has happened, you know, since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed. Um, and and then, you know, using that when we make projections from today forward. How much does the, 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 the quarterly GDP reports now and thinking of the last few that we've seen right now, obviously we've seen growth being reported in the three to four percent range. How much does that impact the, the reporting that you've done and, and uh, where we are headed with the impact of the economy right now having to deal with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act? Um, so that, that'll all be built into projections that we do um, going forward. Um, but, you know, also built in will be the impact of what we think is going to be the debt in the future, as yeah. well as the impact of changing tax rates in the future. Um, so and, you know, I, I think it's important to note that when we we did up a chart similar to the one that um, Dr. Hassett had presented at AEA with our uh, accurate numbers, and, and they're much, much closer. So the ones he had presented there were about 20 times um, different than what our baseline estimates yeah. showed. Um, and when we did that, our numbers are much, much closer. So it's not that we didn't expect to see a lot of growth in this year. We did. Yeah, I guess that, that what I would add there is is um, that 3 or 4% growth you've seen uh, – in some sense, we haven't doesn't affect our models at all because our models got it right. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I mean, I think we, we did see in that first year that we would see some of this. That sure. it just gets it gets eaten away as things change over time. Right. Um, uh, but but what we've seen so far is not inconsistent with what our models predicted. And I think that's that's where it's it's frustrating as a researcher to see someone who um, 
who has the same training I, I have, um, probably from a better school, um, look at our, our research and say, oh, no, it's not consistent with what we're seeing and when, when actually it is. And it's so it's still so early, even after a year, to really say this is the effect because yeah. because of these the things that phase in over time and the things that change in 2025, um, the the total effect of Tax Cut and Jobs Act is is much bigger than that. And then, as we've talked about before, if you're changing the trade war and things like that, that changes what right. we what we were basing our estimates on. But the original estimate that, that you had was to see a boost of GDP by how much? Just specifically because of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, right? Right. Oh, or sorry, our actual number. Yeah. So the, okay. over the the ten years, I guess Kimberly's got it in front of her. So yeah. <laughs> so um, by 2027, we were showing that GDP would be 0.6 percent and 1.1 percent larger. Right. right. Um, but I think also, if you're looking at growth rates, we were showing that just in the past year. Um, that GDP would be somewhere in between would have would have higher growth of about 0.6 to a whole percent higher than right. it would have otherwise done, um, which isn't that different from Dr. Hass's numbers of 1.2 to 1.4. Right, and, and, that, and that goes from two 2.5 ish to 3.5 ish. Right, exactly, and right. that's what I was going to say is that basically when you factor in those numbers, whether they be the the six to one per, uh, six tenths of one percent to one full percent, or Dr. Hass's number, you guys are both in the same ballpark. Yeah, on you're this. talking about right. 3.5 versus 3.7 or something. Right, exactly. Um, you get the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Hassett some point in the future. What do you say to him about about his assessment? Um, I, I ask him uh, why he misled our numbers. Now, it, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a benefit of the doubt that perhaps he, he made a mistake and he didn't remember correctly. Um, I'd ask how he got those numbers because it, it is a, it's a curious one that, that we tried to kind of back out and we couldn't. Um, so – it seems like they were just kind of pulled out of thin air in some sense. So I'd want to know, is there some calculation I'm just missing that he did? And then why present it that way? Why, why pick at that? And I think I know the answer is because it, he wanted to tell a particular story and Correct. it only worked with those numbers. But, but that's what I would, I would ask. I'd ask why. Kim? Um, yeah, I would, I would want to know, you know, sort of why he thought we were only um, 25% open when we pretty – we're very consistent and open about why we are our baseline estimates are forty percent open. Um, you know, find out like where the confusion came from. Right. Well, for those people that would like to go online and look at the the response and this research, you can go to budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu. Again, budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu. The information is right there for you. It's the lead story on the on your website right now. Yeah. Uh, great seeing you again. Happy New Year to you both, and thank you for coming in. And I know we'll be talking about other uh, issues of ec- economics in Capitol Hill uh, in the months to come. Thank you great. both. Thanks, great. Man. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.